Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Let's open our Bibles to the third chapter of the book of Ephesians. Thank God for His Holy Word. Father, we thank You in Jesus' precious name for the Word made flesh, dwelling among us, giving us the words of eternal life. We thank you, dear Father God, that we are doers of the Word, not hearers only. I thank you for receptive hearts. I thank you for attentive ears. And I thank you for open minds. We channel our minds right now to receive the Word of God. We thank you, dear Father God, that the Word will be quickened within us by your Spirit to change us from glory to glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Chapter 3. And verse 14, we will entitle this message, The Fatherhood of God. The Fatherhood of God. Hallelujah. Of course, you know, today we thank God for the fathers. Well, how about the father of fathers? Amen? The father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look what Paul said here. It's so beautifully put. It suggests so much in verse 14. For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Hallelujah. I think... That if the body of Christ as a whole would read those two scriptures and meditate just those two scriptures right there until they begin to understand within their hearts that our relationship with the God of the universe is that of a father and his family. I don't know if you ever read the book by E.W. Kenyon, The Father and His Family, but it's so beautifully put. That the Father loves His family. Our relationship with God, of the God of the universe, is the same as a father and his family. He is the great Father. We are His children. I know that it would change the hearts of the believer. Their attitude towards what they believe concerning the Father God. When they begin to understand that this great God, that He, he revealed Himself as Elohim in the beginning. They said, in the beginning, Elohim, God, it's the Trinity, the Godhead, made the heavens and the earth. We understand that. And then, later on, we see, he revealed himself as Al Shaddai, unto Abraham. I'm the God that's more than enough. I'll supply your every need, if you'll follow me and serve me. And then, we see him revealing himself as Jehovah. The covenant-keeping God. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord that's ever-present. Everywhere you go, He says, I'll be. Hallelujah, what a comforting thought. Amen. That everywhere you go, there I'll be. 
And then Jehovah Shalom, the Lord your peace. I'll be your peace. Jesus said, my peace I give unto you. Amen? Not as the world giveth, give I, but my peace I give unto you. Jehovah Sidkenu, he says his name is, that is the Lord your righteousness. The Lord your righteousness. He made us the righteousness of God in Christ. Jehovah Nissi, the Lord your banner. His banner over me is? Hallelujah. Jehovah Ruah, the Lord our shepherd. Bless God, he careth for the sheep. Amen. He's our shepherd. And then Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that provides. He's the Lord our provider. And Jehovah Rapha, the God that healeth thee. What beautiful names he has revealed himself to us. But there's never been a more precious name revealed to the children of God, revealed to the people with whom he deals as the name Abba Father. When Jesus came on the scene, he didn't call him Jehovah or El Shaddai or any of the other names we attribute to our God. But when Jesus came on the scene, he said, Father. Hallelujah. He may be God to the world, but he's Father to you and to me. Amen. Glory be to God. He's our Father. This is a name, beloved, that He's jealous over. Did you know that? He's jealous over the name Father. Look at Matthew chapter 23. He's jealous over this name, Father. This is one passage of Scripture that I read when I first was saved, when I first got born again. I mean to tell you, when I first got saved... And I began to read this book of Matthew. It brought tears to my eyes. When I began to read how my Father loves me, how the Lord Jesus Christ cares for me, how He gave His life for me, I just couldn't believe the love that God had toward me. Matter of fact, John, the Beloved, put it so appropriate when he said, Beloved, what manner of love has the Father bestowed upon us that He should call us the sons of the living God? What manner of love... Has he bestowed upon us? What kind of an honor to allow us to call him Father? Yes, they could call him El Shaddai. They could call him Jehovah. They could call him Yahweh. Yeshua. They can call him YHWH. They wouldn't even dare call him by name. They just gave the syllable, the syllables of the name. But now imagine this. You and I. In Romans chapter 8, verse 15, says, We've not received the spirit of fear again to bondage. A bondage again to fear. But we've received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry. And notice the word cry, just like a baby. You know what? A baby just cries out. Just like a baby to cry. We cry, Abba, Father. Of his own will beget he us with the word of truth. Abba, Father. We have the right to call this great God of the universe, Abba Father. Now here in this passage of Scripture, when I read this, I was astounded. Because my background was, well, I came out of the Roman Catholic Church. That's my background. And when I read this passage of Scripture, I did a double take. I don't know what it does to you, but I'll tell you what it did to me. And I believe I'm allowed to share that with you without offending anybody. 
Here Jesus began to reprove those that were of the scribes and Pharisees and the religious sects of the day. And he began to tell them their faults. And let's just begin reading with verse 1. We'll read right through. Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you to observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries, they enlarge the borderies of their garments. They lo- and love the uppermost rooms at feasts, and the chief seats in the synagogues, and greetings in the markets, and to be called of men rabbi, rabbi. Be ye not called rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all ye are brethren. And call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. Neither be ye called master, for one is your master, even Christ. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. Coming from a Roman Catholic background, when I, heard, when I read that scripture, now you've got to just visualize this. There I am in my little old mill crane, reading through the book of Matthew for the first time as a born-again child of God, coming out of the Catholic, Catholicism, not Catholic background, used to calling them father, the priests and that sort of thing. And I read that scripture, and again, tears came to my eyes. And it was just like the Spirit of God just quickened within me the very fact that there's only one that should be called Father. And that is the Father that gave birth to me. That is my Heavenly Father. And to this day, I've never called one again Father. I never call a man on the earth other than my earthly Father. Now, sometimes I don't know how people... See, God's Spirit is just so gentle and so sweet, and He teaches us accurately. I was at a Bible study one time in a prayer meeting, and my earthly Father was there also. You know, and someone asked me a question, and I says, "Well, my father didn't." And they got on my case right away and said, "Don't you dare call him father. You mean your dad." I said, "What are you talking about?" And he brought out this scripture. But isn't it something how people always get on one side of the ditch or the other side of the ditch? Jesus wasn't saying, "Don't call your earthly father father." These people were religious people, and because of their title, they made the people look up to them. As if they held some kind of authority over them. And they love to be called father, rabbi, or master. And you see, it, it gave them a type of security. These leaders and rulers, they thought they were somebody because they had these great titles. And they love to be called them by people. It was just something that added to their hypocrisy. And Jesus was inferring here that no religious leader ever should be called father to take the place of your heavenly father. And when I understood that and read that, he's not talking about your earthly father. He's talking about calling a man on this earth, a religious leader, calling him a father as though he is your spiritual father or your master as though he is your guide and your leader. There's only one father to the saints. We're all brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. And that is the father of all glory. That is the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It brought me to tears. I never once again called any man on on this earth other than my earthly father. Now, there's another place that father is used, and, and it's well put. 
And that's when Paul says, You have many teachers in Christ, but not many fathers. For I begat you through the word of righteousness and through the word of truth. It was not a title that Paul bore. But he said, I was the one that brought you the word so that the Father can give birth to you. And that was honor to the Lord. You see, there's a difference between the letter of the law and the spirit of it. Paul was inferring the spirit of the word, Father. In a sense that I brought you the word to give birth. It was a pure motive. But their motive was wrong. Call me Father because of my place of, uh, of authority. Hold me in high esteem because of the name that I have. Some people like to earn these titles in, in, the, in this world. Just a lot of, a lot of name, uh, letters at the end of their name. Just to have high honor among men. And that's the thing that Jesus did not want. And he revealed to you and me that there's only one Father. And that is the Heavenly Father. Get to know Him as your Heavenly Father. Now what does He mean? He's our Father. Look at first, Second Corinthians chapter 6. I want to share the scripture with you. Beautiful scriptures. When Jesus came on the scene, and when the Spirit of God revealed the Pauline revelation, this great God of the universe was revealed as Father. And here we see that heartbeat of our Father. The very cry of our Father. Oh, if we could just catch the spirit of Paul when he spoke these words and then put them down. Maybe he was dictating them to somebody. And he spoke these words out and I can just sense the love and compassion that poured forth out of his spirit. It sounds like a rebuke, but it's not. In a sense... He is revealing the very heart of the Father God to His people. And in verse 14, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, as God hath said. Can you just sense it right now? As the Spirit so mightily upon him began to pour forth these words. As God hath said, I, and then he's the voice of God right here. I will dwell in them. And walk in them. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come up. See, this is God speaking now. Come up from among them. And be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Look at all the instruction first. Now notice the next verse. And will be a father unto you. And you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Now look at Second Corinthians 7.1. Having their... See, they never should have ended that chapter right there. They should, have not, should not have stopped right there. That next verse says, Having therefore these promises. What promises? There's a space between that last verse and the first verse. He's talking about the last promises between 14 and 18. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Actually, if you wanted to write this down, the instruction that God has given us by His Spirit so that He can take the role of a father. Actually, what He's saying right here, I want to take the responsibility of all parental concerns in your life. 
I'll take the responsibilities. And I will be a father unto you. I'll care for you for the rest of your lives. As a father would care for his own. He says, number one, don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. That's number one. Don't do it. You write that down. That's going to be your first step in allowing the Father. Allowing the Father to be a Father. See, He is your Father by birth. Maybe some of you fathers know this. You know, some children won't allow their mothers and fathers to be parents. Did you know that? They rebel. And you think it's different with with our spiritual father? It's no different. He says, will you allow me to be your father? I will be a father unto you if you will allow me. If, number one, you'll be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Because there's no fellowship between the unbeliever and the believer. And then he goes on to say in verse 17, number two, Wherefore, come out from among them. That's number two. And then number three, be separate. Not segregated, but be separate. There should be a marked difference between the sons of God and the daughters of God and the unbeliever. And then he goes on to say, And touch not the unclean thing. That word unclean there is translated many different different ways, but it really infers here anything that is unholy. Unholy. You know, he gave birth to you by the Holy Spirit. And this unclean thing is unholy spirit. Unholy spirit. That's what we could actually insert right here. Unholy. Anything that's unholy. And here he's talking about, of course, they were very much involved in in sexual sins. This church in particular. Don't touch the unclean thing. No matter what it is. Unclean spirits. Wrong spirits. Anything that's unholy, separate yourself from. And he goes on to say... I will receive you. But now look in verse chapter 7, verse 1. Having therefore these, precious, these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves. That's another one. Cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. And the last one is perfect holiness. Perfecting holiness. So don't be unequally yoked together with the unbeliever. Come out from among them. Separate yourself. Touch not the unclean thing. Cleanse yourself. And perfect holiness. And what is the promise? I will be a father. I'll receive you. I will be a father unto you. And you shall be my sons and my daughters. Saith who? Saith who? Saith the Lord. I don't know why sometimes we like to leave out some of the things that that God requires of us. But these are requirements. If you want God to be a real father unto you, then we must fulfill these scriptures. We must do exactly what they infer. Write them down. Don't forget them. It will allow your God, your father, to be a father unto you. He'll take all the parental concerns. He'll give himself to you and to the eternal care of his family. He said, this is my family. I am the father. In Matthew chapter 7... Jesus put it so beautifully. Let's go back there to Matthew chapter 7. In his Sermon on the Mount, when he came revealing the Father heart of God. If he wants to care for us, if he wants to be a father unto us, what's he going to do for us? And 
here in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, he says, Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you? Now he's referring to an earthly father. Whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then being evil can give good gifts unto your children, how much more? How much more? How much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask Him? Now notice here, He is revealing the willingness of the Father to take upon Himself the cares of the family. I will give unto Him good gifts. Now as I was looking over this teaching, I began to see some of the different expressions of the father by the title father so and so and I began to find to find over there in Ephesians 3.14 it said father of our Lord Jesus Christ but over there in Hebrews chapter 10 or chapter 12 verse 10 it says he is the father of spirits matter of fact write these down Hebrews says he is the father of spirits in 2 Corinthians 1.3, he's called the Father of mercies. In James 1.17, he is called the Father of lights. And in Ephesians 1.17, he is called the Father of glory. The Father of glory. He said, what's that got to do with it? Listen, whatever he is the Father of you are the son. James talks about every good gift is from above and cometh down from the father of who? Father of who? Father of lights, in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. See, this is one of the names of the father. And here Jesus is inferring to us that if we truly come seeking him as our father, that's what the Spirit was saying, through the lips of the Apostle Paul, by not being unequally yoked, by separating ourselves, by not touching the unclean thing, by coming unto Him, cleansing ourselves of all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, and by perfecting holiness in the fear of God, I will be a father unto Him, asking you shall receive, seeking you shall find, knock it shall be open unto you, because I am your Father, and you are my sons and daughters, saith the Lord. I'll give you every good gift. But you see, there's more involved than that. When I think of a father caring for his family I begin to think about provisions every father wants to provide for his own I don't know what father what earthly father does not want to provide Jesus here is, is inferring that that every earthly father should at least have the desire to provide now you may not have the ability to provide all that your family could ever want but you do have the potential now there are a lot of things that we cannot provide for our families as earthly fathers with our own power. Now, I cannot provide for my family health by myself. And if you think about the things that you want to provide for your family, health is probably the number one thing. You want to provide that for them. Of course, we're separate from salvation, we're talking about, we know that everybody wants to lead their children, their family to God. But you want to provide, you can't provide health to your family. How many of you, when you look over a child who's sick or sickly or has a diseased body, 
How many of you have compassion rising up from within and a sense of inferiority? Like as though I want to do something about this thing. I want to help this child be whole and be healed and be normal. That's deep within you, isn't it? Especially if it's your own child and you see them attacked with some sickness or disease. You have a deep desire within you to see that child whole. But you say, I don't have the ability. That's something that's out of my hands. If I could walk down to the corner store and buy it, I'd get it for them. But money cannot buy health. As a matter of fact, when I think of provisions, it makes me think about what's going on in our country today. Concessions. Companies destroying, wanting to destroy unions by moving out and going somewhere else and hiring non-union work. Or forcing the union people to take concessions. You know that's going on right now in the country. Now, I want you to think about this, earthly fathers. You to thank God that you can provide a way of helping your children or your family. Let's say through the benefits you receive through your company. Maybe you work for a company that provides Blue Cross and Blue Shield. And all they need to do is go up to a hospital. They'll get some kind of care and protection. What if your company command, uh, demanded that you take concessions and what if you lost all those benefits? What if you no longer could just check in at the hospital? Have a $5,000 bill, $10,000 bill, $20,000 bill in a week's time and let them pay for it. There wouldn't be too many running to the hospital, would there? What if all the benefits were taken, taken away? What would the average person do? See, we read some of these scriptures where it says every man should provide for his own, but people take them out of context. They take them out of light. Every father wants to provide for his own, and they think that providing this way, this means of help, is sufficient. But I want you to know something. These things are becoming realities. People are losing their benefits. They're not able just to check in at a hospital. I'm going to give you an example. This one sister, and I won't say who, what, where, when, or why, recently had a pacemaker put in her heart. Do you know what that mechanism cost? Just the parts itself. $5,000. $5,000. Now listen. Plus the operation, the surgeon's fees, the stay at the hospital. And do you know that they actually have on their staff people whose job is to see to it that the bill is run up as high as it can possibly be at hospitals? Did you know that? Did you know that? They check every nook and cranny to make sure that they get all the money out of these insurance companies that they can. This is first-hand information. They see to it that if it, if it, if it could possibly cost $15,000, it will by the time you leave that hospital. Now, I want you to think about this. This elderly lady having a pacemaker put in, 5000 just for the parts, plus the operation, plus whatever they do there at the hospital, the food and the stay in the room and all that for a week's time, possibly could run a bill up to $10,000. How many of you can afford to go out and just, just next week and just give $10,000 over if you didn't have insurance, if you didn't have some kind of protection? And what if, as we've been saying, the companies begin to take away your benefits? People don't have that kind of benefits. What are you going to do? Every time you get a problem in your body, are we going to go and, and, and just fork out all this money? Actually, you, if you think about it, you can't afford to be sick. Not in this day and age. It costs too much money. 
Think about it. You think about, if you think about what was spent, if you didn't have benefits, if you didn't have benefits now, and all that you spent had to come out of your pocket, could you possibly afford it? afford to go to the hospital and actually most people would say no because you see they, they had it through the company where they worked well what if people say well, well, well this will never happen people also said crucible would never shut down but they did well I'll never lose my benefits what if you do what if it gets to a place that they take away all those benefits from you what are we going to do how are you going to provide that operation for that child how are you going to pay for it you see what I'm saying now, I want you to listen to me. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all of His benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. When man has another way to go, he's lazy concerning the way of God. We should think of not even having a benefit in this world system. And pursuing diligently the benefits of God, who healeth all thy diseases. I'm going to tell you something. I'm not bragging on me at all in any way, shape, form, or fashion. You know that. I'm humbling myself as low as I can get. Another reason for our service tonight. Since we've been born again with little kids, our doctor bill before we, we got saved, always spending money at the doctor's. I can't remember spending 10 cents on doctors other than normal checkups, that sort of stuff. But I'm talking about for any sickness or any disease. I thank God for we can lay hands on the sick and forget not the provision from above. My father will never ask me to take a concession. Never. Ask and ye shall receive. Seek and ye shall find. Knock on his door and it shall be open. You won't need to present your card. Someone says, what are you going to do without blue cross? I always say we're going to turn to the old rugged cross. Because there's greater benefits at the old rugged cross. That's the provision that your father has for you. No, we've not all attained unto perfection in these areas. That's why the service tonight. Humble ourselves before God. The Bible doesn't say God will humble you. But you humble yourself. Father, I want a greater anointing and power upon my life to lay hands on my kids. Whatever it is, I want to cleanse myself from any filthiness of the flesh and spirit so I can perfect this holiness in my life that when I do use my faith, it always works. Fathers, hear me. The reason why the Christian family is being destroyed in the day in which we live and attacked in such a way and prayers are not being answered and children are not being healed is because the Father is only looking to the provision of the world. He's not taking his rightful place in the father's family. The father's position cannot be replaced by the mother. And a mother that's got to do all the work, spiritual work, to provide spiritual power for the family is at a disadvantage. The Bible clearly teaches us that if husbands are not dwelling with their wives according to knowledge, the prayers will be hindered. This is why Satan has attacked the family. Especially the father. The father's the head. The father is the representative. The father stands before God and has the power and ability to draw that power, healing power, providing every provision under that family. Not from crucible. Not from where you work. But from the father's 
storehouse of blessing. Oh, fathers, hearken unto my voice and hear what the Spirit of God is saying unto you. Humble yourselves before Him and take your place as a father. Your, your faith will work like that. Oh, the kids will be delivered. Some of you mothers, I pray right now. Because you said, I, I laid hands on my kids and I didn't get results. And I prayed for this and I didn't get results. There's part of your problem. There's a big hindrance there. When fathers don't take their place in the family. And they're the provider of all good things. By touching the father. Every earthly father should be in the face of the heavenly father. Until his face shines from your face. And you look upon the little ones and, and your wife. And your household becomes an atmosphere of heaven, of love. And every good thing is provided. He'll not withhold any good thing from those that walk uprightly. It starts with the father and his family. And the father and his family. Oh, I thank God. I always say, Father. You told me to be perfect as my Father in heaven is perfect. Then as a father, I should pattern my life after the Father. He's the Father of spirits. What's that mean, He's the Father of spirits? If you read Hebrews chapter 12, don't turn there. But if you'll read it, you'll find out that as the Father of spirits, He corrects the, he corrects the spirits of His children. Hear me. As the earthly Father corrected the flesh of the children, the heavenly Father corrects the spirit. For what purpose? To perfect holiness. Any father, it says, any, any father will correct his child so the child could be reared up correctly and rightly. And Hebrews chapter 12 says, and for what purpose does our heavenly father correct us, the father of spirits? Why does he do it? So that we might be partakers of his holiness. If you're a father, come tonight, sinking the father to correct you. I'm going to do it tonight. Correct me in, in any way, shape, form, or fashion that I might be a greater partaker of your holiness, Father God, and be the father that I should be to my family. And be the provider, not materialistically speaking, but spiritually speaking, to this family of mine. He's again the father of mercies. Not only did Jesus say, be therefore perfect as your father, he said, be merciful as your father which is in heaven. As a father, I should be merciful as my father. For what purpose? The Holy Spirit said it through Paul that you may comfort them with the same comfort wherewith you are comforted of God. Thank God for His mercy. The Father of mercies. Well, the Father of lights. Why does James call Him the Father of lights? Because every good gift cometh down from above from this Father of lights. And as you take your place as a father in the family, every good gift is provided through you from the Father to this Father under the family. What provision? What love? Think about it. What a great heavenly father. The father of mercies. And finally, what is he called? The father of glory. Do you realize that some children will only see the glory of the Lord through their earthly parents? What degree of glory we reveal of the father to our children, they will remember. And they'll live by. And they'll act on. That's why He's the Father of glory. Jesus was the express image of the Father. And what expression did He give of that image? A perfect expression. The brightness of His glory. The outshining of the person of God. And what is He saying to us as earthly fathers? 
we are to be the same way. To express the same image as we are being changed unto our family so that our family can see the glory of God. You hear a lot of children rebel and they say, if, that, if, if God is like my dad is, I don't want to know. I'm speaking to you from my heart. The Spirit of God said, leave my notes. If my children don't see God in me, if they don't see the glory of God in me, where will they find it? My lifestyle is a perfect example under my children. The perfect example as to what the Heavenly Father truly is like. And if all they see is negativism, doubt and unbelief, they're going to think that's what the Father's like. They're not going to find God. That's the responsibility we have as fathers to our children. Deuteronomy chapter 6 says, When you've entered the land, diligently teach your children to observe the things that I have spoken unto you. Diligently teach them unto your children. For what purpose, Father God? Genesis 18, verses 16 through 18. When, when he was ready to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, he says, Shall I withhold what I'm going to do from my blood covenant partner Abraham? Shall I destroy without counseling and conferring with Abraham first? I will tell him what's I'm, what I'm going to do. Because I know him. I know that Abraham will teach his son and his son's sons. His children, his family, and his children after them. To follow my ways, to keep my word, to follow after me. And because of it, I'll be able to bring the blessing upon Abraham. Listen, if you're a father. God will be able to bring the blessing upon you and your family if you'll make a commitment unto Him to diligently teach your children in three areas. I'm just going to reveal these three areas to you. Write them down if you're an earthly father especially or if you're a mother taking the role of a father. Number one, teach your children diligence. See, sometimes we say how or what or where. What do I do? How do I teach my children? You teach these three things, God will give the increase. God will do the rest. You ready? Remember the scripture that says, if we train up our children the way they should go when they get old, they will not depart from it. That's a promise you have from the Father God. But He wants you to teach three things unto your children. Number one, diligence. Diligence is a child's responsibility to himself. Diligence. A child's responsibility unto himself. There's a reward for diligence. They that seek Him must seek Him by faith. And He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. If I teach my child diligence, He'll, reward, he'll be rewarded Himself. If I am diligent, let's, let's, let's start with me, the Father. If I teach Him diligence through my diligence, the Father can reward me. How does the Father reward my diligence? He just told me. He said... When your child gets old, he will not depart from it. So that's a reward to myself. See? That's my responsibility to myself is to be diligent. Because that's how God rewards me. He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. The second thing to teach your child is obedience. That's his responsibility to others. Obedience is a child's responsibility to others. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And, of course... It teaches respect. 
If a, if a, if a child's not going to obey his parent or obey his school teacher or obey his Sunday school teacher, how's he going to obey God? So obedience, when a child is taught obedience, he'll not only learn to obey those around him, but he'll learn to obey God. That's his responsibility to others. Teach your child his responsibility to others. And it's the same with me. The Father God is teaching me my responsibility to others. Obedience. And the last scripture is, is reverence. The last one is reverence. I'll give you the scripture. Reverence is a child's responsibility unto God. Diligence, obedience, and reverence. Reverence is a child's responsibility unto God. Diligence unto himself. Obedience unto others. Reverence unto God. Let's look at this scripture in Psalm 89. Psalm 89. Verse 7. Reverence is the fear of the Lord. When I reverence God, I have fear of God. A father that's not taking his place in the family of God and in his earthly family doesn't have any reverence for God. If he had reverence for God, if he had fear of God, he would take his place in the father's family. If a man reverenced God, I will say it again, if he reverenced God, he would take his place. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This scripture is a powerful scripture. I want to read it. We'll read some more after it. But let's focus in on this scripture first of all. God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints. And to be had in reverence of all them that are about him. We're in the assembly of the saints right now. He is greatly to be feared. Greatly to be feared. And to be had in reverence of all them that are about him. So when we teach a child to have reverence for God, we teach him the fear of God. Now some people, as I said going back, they have more fear of losing the benefits from the company than they have the fear of losing the benefits of God. Are you ready for this? All that company can do is provide certain benefits to help you in these, some of these areas that I'm talking about. Like if you did have to have that $10,000 operation, thank God if you have the benefit so that the company will pay for it. But you see, they cannot guarantee you what's going to happen during that operation. They can't guarantee you what's going to happen with your life. And those that don't pursue, but you look at, look at today. People will go on strike. People will pursue their benefits. I mean, they will, they'll fight as hard as they can to keep those benefits. You think about it. They'll fight as hard as they can to keep those benefits. But all along, because of no reverence for God, they are losing out of their benefits with the Almighty. What benefits might these be? He'll heal your body and it won't cost you a penny. That's right. How many of you want to enjoy those kind of benefits? How many of you want to reap those rich dividends? 
How many of you want to have easy access unto the glory of God, the Father of glory, so that your household has a hotline straight out of heaven's glory, so that at any given time of need, you don't cry, where's the insurance policy? Where's my blue cross card? But you lift up your eyes. As the psalmist said, I will lift up my eyes under the hills from whence cometh my help. And you look up and you cry, Abba, Father. And the Father looks down upon you and realizes that you have reverence unto Him. And you've not forgotten His benefits. And you've learned how to tap into those resources. And there comes a beam of light out of heaven's glory. Right down into your household, right through your roof, right in through your spirit, right out through your hand and touches that little loved one. And the fever leaves from its brow. And the heart is instantly made normal. And the pacemaker is not needed. Hallelujah. This is where it begins. At the Father. Oh, I pray for every father myself included that we could visualize and see through the eyes of our spirits what position we hold in our family what authority we have in our family what responsibility we have in our family to provide for our own an atmosphere saturated with the glory the love the mercy the light of God Oh, I pray that every father would catch the vision and allow the Heavenly Father, allow Him, the Heavenly Father, to be a father unto Him and unto His family. This is my prayer. And it's from my heart. It's from the depths of my heart. The walk of faith, the walk that we walk, the life that we're talking about here at this assembly. You you can go to any... Any place else. Maybe you not hear this kind of talk. But listen friends. If God says all his benefits include the healing of every sickness and every disease. Then I want to supply that for my family. I want to provide that atmosphere in my home for my family. Whereby he can do exactly what he wants to do. Be a father to my family. And assume the responsibilities and the parental concerns of my family. My desire is to allow Him to rule over our home. Is that your desire? Then we've got to obey. We've got to separate ourselves. Not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Come out from among them. Don't touch the unclean thing. But stand holy before our God. Come to Him with a humble and contrite spirit. Until His love overwhelms us. Until His mercy pours out of us. Beloved, I don't believe it's all that hard. I just believe that people are not taking their place in the body of Christ. I believe that fathers must do this. I believe that mothers must do their part. And bless God, we'll create an atmosphere for our children that can only be compared to the atmosphere of heaven. Amen. Aren't you glad that God your Father is not asking you to take any concessions? But He's offering you benefits that are overwhelming, outstanding. 
You, you can't even begin to think about the beautiful benefits that's been offered to the individual family and individual person. If we'll take our place as a father, if you'll take your place as a mother, and children, if you'll obey your parents in the Lord, long life. I will close with this statement. That pacemaker, you know what it was designed to do? It's designed to prolong a person's life. Now you imagine $10,000. That's only for one incident. One week's visit at the hospital. $10,000 to prolong this person's life. Every morning must check the pulse. Every morning all kinds of things to do. I'm not speaking anything against it. I thank God that it's working. I thank God that they had a way to get it done. There's people that don't have $10,000. They don't have any benefits. They can afford that. What happens to them? They die. What are we going to do for them? The Bible says all things are free. The Bible says we have liberty to lay hands upon these people and provide healing for them at no cost. Is this God still on the throne? Yes. Is that provision still there? Oh, absolutely. What's the matter? It's being choked out. It's being choked out. Let's unclog the hole. Let's take our place. Let's provide this blessing. Let's let Him freely give us all things. Freely be a Father unto us. Can you hear us cry? I will be a Father unto you. I want to be a father unto you. I will be a father unto you. If you'll stay away from the unclean thing. If you come to me and cleanse yourself. I will be a father unto you. Hallelujah. Praise his holy name forever. It's free. Thank God. There are no concessions with God. Let's all stand. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.